A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Friday to you. Hello there. How's it going? Heath Klein in for Chuck today. Of course, King been a little under the weather this week. Tried to grind through one yesterday. Couldn't make it work for back-to-back days. Now he's got three days to rest up and hopefully next week for championship game Monday. He'll be here and in fine strength, ready to go vocally. In the meantime, though, we've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, we are closing in on that championship game. Today's the day the teams actually get to Houston And then Monday, we get the chance to see the final matchup between two programs that a lot of people would not have guessed, particularly Washington, would be there. But a game that on paper could be really fun. And that's good. We need that kind of fun because there's so much else going on that if you love this sport, it's not all necessarily feeling all that fun. There's a lot of movement right now, and some of it is really head-scratching. Now, yesterday, for example, the word coming down, hey, Quichon Judkins is on his way out of Ole Miss. Just as there have been a lot of good things going on for Ole Miss, suddenly a guy who became just the second player in the SEC to have 15 touchdowns in his first two seasons since Herschel. Anytime you could be the first to do something since Herschel, you're probably pretty good. That's a guy that you'd think, oh, he's going to finish up and, and eventually head to the NFL, but uh, he's going to finish up his career and be this beloved figure at Ole Miss instead. Nice. Nah, He's going to be somewhere else, and we'll see where that turns out to be and and why it turns out to be there and, and how he does, and maybe it'll try to be a great move for him, but it's just a reminder that that nothing can be taken for granted anymore. Even guys that it certainly feels like under normal circumstances would have never, ever thought about transferring. Now, whatever the reason, guys might do it. You know, we mentioned yesterday, you had a guy in, or a couple of days ago, you had a guy in Pup Howard who was absolutely the cornerstone of South Carolina's recruiting class that came in last year. He'd been a leader for it the entire time. Uh, Florida tried to flip him a bunch of times. Uh, couldn't dissuade him from the idea of going to South Carolina. Suddenly, boom, he's, he's in Florida now. Did that happen just because he got a little homesick? Because he didn't hear what he wanted to hear? Who knows? Whatever the reason, 24 hours later, bang, he's in Florida. There is nothing you can count on, no matter what program you're a fan of, no matter how good a player is, there's nothing you can absolutely count on. Like, if you're a Georgia fan right now, you feel really, really good, I think, about the idea that Carson Beck is going to be back as your quarterback. But if somehow, and I want to be clear, this is a totally made-up scenario. This is in no way a report, a rumor, anything. It's totally made up. But if somehow, this weekend, you're hanging out with a buddy at a bar, and he says... Hey, man, I just saw online, supposedly uh, USC, they didn't get Will Howard. He went to Ohio State. They need a quarterback bat. I heard some alum out there who works in movies is going to offer Carson Beck $10 million to be their quarterback this year. 
He might take it. Like before, a year or two ago, you would have said, well, one, that's ridiculous. Two, I'm pretty sure that's a violation of the rules, so there's no way that they could possibly be brazen enough to do that. That's crazy, man. You're cut off. You're not driving home. Now, if you were hanging out at a bar and your buddy said, yeah, USC's going to offer Carson Beck $10 million for one year to be their quarterback, like, you'd at least go online and search, wouldn't you? Is that real? That sounds nuts, but is it real? No, it's not real. Yet. But it could be. And that's where we are. It's just, it's, it's not an awesome feeling for the sport that this is the mindset we're having to all operate under right now. And that's not to say the kids shouldn't have freedom because I'm absolutely in favor of the fact that they've gotten the freedom that they deserve to transfer without having to sit out a year. It was always ridiculous that they had to do that. But at the same time, to go from an unfair policy that was too restrictive to going to guys doing whatever they want all the time doesn't seem like that's the healthiest thing either. I actually saw a clip from somebody that we wouldn't normally talk about on this program that I thought was pretty interesting on this subject. It was Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan, you might not even remember if you're a college football fan now because he's been gone in the NBA for almost a solid decade. If you're in Gainesville, you remember him and and maybe other places. Dude did win two national championships, went to four Final Fours. He knows a few things. Uh, Billy Donovan, though, has been, again, in the NBA for the vast majority of the last decade, currently coaching the Chicago Bulls. So why did something he say make me think about college football? Well, the answer is he went on a podcast and he talked about that, yeah, in his mind, it is correct that players are making money, that for all these years uh, you had this situation where no matter how much the revenues went up, players were not getting their piece of the money as the revenues grew and grew. And, and so he does think it's a good thing that athletes have access now to cash in financially from the reputations they build or the value they're perceived to possess as a, a big-time player while they're in college. But what he also talked about was, hey, when you come into the NBA, and this is true for the NFL as well, you're getting a contract for four years. You can't just say at the end of the first year, I don't like it here on the Bulls. I thought it would be more fun playing in Chicago. I thought Billy Donovan would be a more fun guy to play for. I don't like it. I'm going to leave. You can't do that. You're under contract. And I saw some people trying to push back about that online, by the way, and say, oh, yeah, well, Kevin Durant left and... Uh, you know, James Harden's forced as well. Great. If you're the biggest, like, top five, top ten superstar in the league and you're unhappy, yes, you might be able to force your way out of a situation when you're under contract. Maybe. If some random player on the Atlanta Hawks, if Sadiq Bey suddenly just said, I'm mad, he's not forcing his way out of a contract unless the team wants him gone anyway. It doesn't work that way. And that's where the vast majority of these guys are going to be when they come into the league. You're going to have to, for a half decade or more, deal with the situation you're in and and work with what might not be to your liking, whether that be the city that you played in. Maybe you would have preferred to go to Miami as opposed to Sacramento. Tough. You got drafted by Sacramento. Maybe you don't like the coach. Maybe you wish that they would get the ball to you more in the post or whatever. It might. doesn't matter. When you get to the pros, you're going to have to be able to deal with the circumstances you're working with. I saw it was a really interesting point because Donovan was saying he feels like this environment that we're seeing in college right now is not developing guys as well for the pros 
He's thinking about it from his sports perspective, but it's true for football too. If you have guys whose first mindset, whenever they don't get their way, whatever it might be, I want to be making more money. I want to be in a system that's going to guarantee me a certain number of carries or whatever. If your first mindset is, I'll just leave. You know, especially now there's no two-time restriction. You could go four schools, four years. I'll just leave. What effect is that going to have on these guys as they try to develop their mentality to deal with adversity when they get to the pros? And I, I thought it was a really good point by him. I think there's been so much focus on the idea of empowering these athletes, giving them the freedom that for decades people have argued to some level they should have and they didn't have any of it. And then remember how it was treated like a huge loophole? Back in 2005, 2006 was the first time that you could transfer without sitting out if you were a graduate. Remember that rule? And that was a big deal. Oh, wow. You could get away with bringing a kid in on a transfer as long as he graduated and he could play right away? Wow, what a cagey loophole. I mean, think about how ridiculous it is that that wasn't allowed in the first place. You come to a school, the deal is, I'm going to play college football for you. You will give me the opportunity to get a diploma as I do so. And then you've gotten to the end of your diploma, and now maybe you want to go to a different school for grad school, since we're talking about this all as if education is the prime driver here. No, 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 you can't go to a different grad school. That wouldn't be right. Really? Why? Not every school offers every grad program. And some places might offer a grad program, but another school might have a way better grad program than what the school you happen to play and get your undergrad degree in is. Now, did guys use that as a loophole to transfer without? Of course they did. But if you're pretending from the beginning, as this system was set up to do, that guys were there for the academic side and the football was just sort of an ancillary benefit, it's just fortunate these scholars happen to run 4-4-40s or whatever. If that's how you're going to play it, then you had to acknowledge that reality at the end of getting your degree. That's not some sort of big bonus and a special treat that you get a chance to go to somewhere else for grad school, but that's how they treated it. And so you think about that and you think about how much growth there's been since then. The fact that now we're to the point where, yes, you can, in fact, without issue, transfer as many times as you want. It's probably swung too far the other way now. Are we ever going to get it back in the back in the tube? I don't know. I don't know if you can ever figure out a way to get it back to one transfer, then you have to sit out after that. It's not good for you for your long-term development to constantly move over and over and over. But there's another frontier we might be heading for, too. There's a challenge out there legally to almost everything. Soon enough, do not be surprised if there is a challenge to having to ever leave school. Story today. Alan Bowman, going to be the quarterback for Oklahoma State next year. He will be in his seventh year of college football. Alan Bowman's not a pro prospect. Alan Bowman has gotten a graduate degree already. But Alan Bowman clearly loves playing college football. And Alan Bowman has earning potential in college football. A veteran quarterback in a place like Oklahoma State in his second year, he has earning potential there. He doesn't really have it in the NFL. So as long as he's willing to get two three graduate degrees? Why shouldn't he be able to keep playing college football? Oh, he's too old? 
Chris Winkie won a Heisman Trophy. He was older than Alan Bowman. If you go play baseball for 10 years, you can come back and play. So why should you have to leave if you're somebody who's in school? Isn't this about getting an education? Why wouldn't you want someone with a doctorate playing quarterback? Sounds ridiculous to you, maybe. Would it sound ridiculous to a judge? We might have a point where someday we're talking about guys who have veteran careers, double-digit year careers in college football. Everything, everything you can think of is on the table unless they figure out a way to get some actual agreed-on restrictions, maybe with some form of a players' association. And until then, anything and everything can happen. So enjoy the game Monday because that's the great stuff. All the other stuff, man, right now it is head-spinning. All right, we are going to get into some of what's going on all around the college football world. We're going to head to the triangle coming up. A lot of movement there, defensive coordinator out, players coming in. We'll talk about it all with Josh Graham straight ahead here on the Chuck Oliver Show. of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show Klein in for Chuck today and of course lots to talk about right now we head to the triad that is what they call that area Greensboro and Winston-Salem and High Point and the man who does the sports radio there is Josh Graham you can hear him in the afternoons on WSJS he joins us now here on the Chuck Oliver show Josh how are you I am well I don't know if today is too late to say happy new year but it is by my book so happy new year to you and yours yeah Larry David would fight you on that but I am not going to uh, because there's not <laughs> enough time Frank we got a lot going on with you guys over there let's let's start with the news that came down earlier in the week Gene Chizik is out as Mac Brown's defensive coordinator Chizik being out is no surprise but there were a lot of people who wondered if Mac had it in him to push him out and then start over again at his age and it seems pretty clear he's going to. What was your take on the word coming down that the, despite maybe the rumors, Mac's not going anywhere? That is a little bit surprising to me just because of the level of emotion that he showed towards the end of the year where they lose a few games in a row that they probably should not have against Virginia as a 27-and-a-half point favor against Georgia Tech the week after that. And then they beat Duke, and he's emotional on the field, which – Harken back to when Roy Williams, his last game at uh, uh, the Smith Center, he, he kissed the floor before walking off and then later said, oh, there, that was nothing to do with anything. And then that turned out to be his last game in at North Carolina, his final home game. Well, that was Matt Brown's final home game of the season against Duke, that overtime win that he had. So a lot of people started to read into that. And then you also have the fact that he's a couple months older than Saban, meaning he's the oldest coach in FBS college football. And on top of that, you don't have Drake May coming back next year. So connecting the dots, it made a lot of sense that Mac would move things along, especially considering North Carolina didn't meet expectations for the second year in a row and they kind of fell apart towards the end of the year. So 
you said it well. It's not a surprise that Gene Chizik is not going to return to North Carolina. The surprise is that Mac Brown's returning because when you start to look ahead at what next year looks like for the Tar Heels, it's almost impossible to expect anything other than regression. Now, does that mean they're not going to make a bowl game? Mac's made a bowl game every year since returning to Chapel Hill. He does have a high floor, a higher floor than that, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be much higher than six or seven wins. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy who has a quarterback who a lot of people think will be no worse than about a top three pick in this year's NFL draft, and before that, another NFL quarterback in Sam Howell. If you aren't able to get this program to the highest level when you had those kind of guys, it's really hard to imagine with, we'll just say Max Johnson, but whoever the quarterback turns out to be, that the next year or two is when you finally hit that gear that you get it to the next level, especially over and over the fades late in the year compared to what expectations are, four straight bowl losses. I mean, is Mac just a guy who likes coaching enough? He just wants to keep doing it, even though for the school it's pretty clear he got them back on the map after the end of Fedora fizzled out so bad, but it's just not going to be much more than this, it would seem. It could be stubbornness, the fact that he doesn't want to go out that way. He doesn't want people making these decisions for him, so to speak, and connecting these dots. So some of it could be stubbornness. But let's be clear about something. You say Drake May is going to be a top three pick. People need to start getting it in their heads that Drake May is going to be the number one pick in the draft. Drake May is the best quarterback in college football because he doesn't have a Heisman Trophy winner like Jordan Addison was that that, uh, that Caleb Williams was throwing the ball to. And he doesn't have Lincoln Riley calling his plays either. People in the football community already know this and the scouting community already know it. I don't think the NFL draft gurus, air quotes, have caught up with this yet. But Mac Brown had the number one pick in the draft, the best quarterback in the country, or at least the best prospect, and he won eight games with him and lost five of his last six games or four of his last five against FBS competition to close the year. That That is kind of crazy to uh, conceptualize. The only example I've seen of that in recent years, uh, Phillip Rivers, uh, or I guess that's not recent years, he, he – flubbed out his final year at NC State down the stretch, too, and turned out to be a top-five pick. But many thought he was the best quarterback in that draft that had Eli Manning in it. So that that's the part that people need to start to get in their heads, that it's crazy North Carolina football did so little with a guy who was once an Alabama commit flipping back to North Carolina and is soon going to be the number one pick in the draft, I think. Josh Graham with us here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the draft and them. I mean, we don't even know for sure who's going to have the first pick yet. We know who has it at the moment, but we don't know if they'll keep it or not. So early to tell. Yeah. But no, there's some people like Nate Tice nationally who already have said they think that May's the better player. We'll see what they do with it. At minimum, it's a missed opportunity. Do we have any feel at all? Because... Part of the issue with Brown from the beginning was, I remember he tried to hire Greg Davis originally as his offensive coordinator, and even the boosters yeah. there were like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. You cannot only hire off your Christmas card list. You've got to hire some people who are qualified for modern football. But but the Chiswick hire was one off the Christmas card list. So do we have any feel for, does Mac care more about scheme? Does Mac care more about comfortability? Where is he going to try and go here for a D.C.? I think you need to find somebody who the, the the problem with North Carolina hasn't been recruiting because when you look at recent years, this recent class notwithstanding, North Carolina went three straight years 
with top 15 classes and finishing no worse than third in the ACC, according to 24-7. Gene Chizik, pretty good recruiter. He helped in in getting some of those classes that that I just mentioned. They need somebody whose bona fides are player development, like maximization more than anything else. So, like, fundamentals, I, I I don't know if it's scheme. I think it's more you have such talented guys who is somebody that can simplify things enough and maximize enough and develop just pure coaching enough to get the most out of the talent that's already in the building for North Carolina. Gene Chizik once before was brought in in 2015 by Larry Fedora when the defense was one of the worst in the country in 2014. And they were good enough to make an ACC championship that, that, that next year. Uh, North Carolina did something similar in making the championship in Gene Chizik's first year a year ago. But as we all know, a lot of that had to do with Drake and not with Gene's defense. So I, I think to answer your question, the, the trait that you need to find is somebody whose MO is developing talent, maximizing talent. Quickly, Joshua, you got about 60 seconds to work with here. Noah Rogers, the wide receiver transfer, pretty high profile coming in from Ohio State. Grayson McCall, obviously, the Wolfpack as well. Why are they having so much more success in the portal this year? Uh, well, NC State in the state of North Carolina has beaten North Carolina the last handful of years. Dave Doran has a much clearer vision of what his culture is and has been around longer than Mac Brown has within his tenure, this current tour of duty at NC State. And I think it's going to pay dividends. NC State's the sleeper team. Louisville had a really easy strength of easy ACC schedule late before them. NC State's that team that you should keep an eye on that has the easy schedule and could maximize a great season out of it because of what they've done in the portal. Yeah, it's interesting because Doran kind of alludes to the idea that when people disrespect them in his mind, when they're hungry, they, they do well, and then when there's expectations, maybe they don't respond well. That's going to be one of the challenges because you're right. They're, they're clearly going to have some people pointing to them as a dangerous team this year. And, of course, Josh will be talking about that, UNC, and everything else going on in the state. You check him out on WSJS in the triad. Josh, appreciate you making some time for us here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Thanks so much. There you go. That's Josh Graham checking in. Uh, Next up, we will head to the Midwest, scheduled to hear from Ohio. What exactly is going on there? They've got themselves a new quarterback. There's some other things happening. And, of course, there's also the prospect that on Monday night, they watch the hated rival become the national champs of college football. How's that going to land? We'll talk about it next here on the Chuck Oliver Show. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, Atlanta, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today. AccentRoofingService.com. 
It's always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show, Heath Klein in for Chuck today. King's voice giving a little problems. Hopefully he'll be back feeling like himself in full power for Monday with the national championship on the line in college football as we get you ready for that. Right now, though, there's a lot going on all over the place, and including in some of the biggest programs in the country like Ohio State. So we head up to Columbus. We're joined by Tim Hall from 97.1 The Fan in Columbus because the Buckeyes have got themselves a new quarterback. Tim, appreciate you making some time for us here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Hey, what's going on, Heath? So if if he's the king, does that make you a prince of college football? I'm like the uh, the Viscount, maybe. Is that even how it's pronounced? I don't even know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a lowly surf in college football, but I still love yeah. college football. So, you know. Yeah, you, I'm like, I'm kind of like a jester, I'd say, with the way that, with the way that we run our show, with the way that the Buckeye show goes, it's we, we're supposed to make this fun, right? Like, that's the thing. We can't – I feel like I was a little bit negative these last couple of days, and especially since since the Cotton Bowl, which I thought was a total joke, right? But we're, we're seeing that with many different football games, especially these postseason games. But I'm going to try to be excited about old Willie Howard from Kansas State coming to town. Well, let, let's start there. Actually, before we start with him, let's start with the need to have him there. It, it was pretty clear that Buckeye fans did not see what they wanted to from Kyle McCord this year. Even when they were winning, it didn't seem like they were particularly wowed by him. Now, the standard that has been set by quarterbacks there the last few years is really, really high. And so maybe he would have met it if he sticks around. But the fact that he leaves and he winds up in Syracuse tells you, OK, this this probably was not somebody who was quite like the other guys off that Buckeye assembly line these last few years. But the fact that now they feel like we need to go get somebody, we can't just turn it over to someone else in the pipeline. How did this happen? First things first, I appreciate that Ohio State is doing this. Now, that being said, Ryan Day still has to be held accountable being a quarterback guy, being really the the quarterback's coach, whatever you want to say about Corey Dennis, who is Urban Meyer's son-in-law, who's on this staff out here, the real quarterback's coach. But we know it's Ryan Day, right, with his experience all the way back from playing in New Hampshire. So whatever happens, you know, just the, the simple fact that I, that I applaud him for going out and not settling, if this doesn't work out with Will Howard, then you've got an absolute mess on your hands. And it's like you said, when you have success, when you take the quarterback position at Ohio State and you propel it to new heights where you've got Dwayne Haskins thrown for 50 touchdown passes and 5,000 yards, may he rest in peace. When you have Justin Fields, who I just saw uh, his announcement came exactly five years ago from Will Howard's for uh, the superstitious types out there. Maybe it goes your way, but we know that Justin wasn't just a one-and-done type of guy. And then what you got from, from C.J. Stroud, as you mentioned, it really sets the bar way high higher and so everybody saw how Kyle McCord was good he was good not great we knew he could be good being a four or five star recruit if you put an outstanding team behind him but as I was talking to your producer I mean uh, it really was eye-opening 
how he lacked mobility. And if the offensive line, which did have issues, and you kind of expected it to have some issues coming into 2023, if they weren't going to be absolutely stellar and Kyle ever had to get out of the pocket and maybe run for his life a little bit, dance, do some magic, he's just not that guy. He's just doesn't have the skill set to do that. Put up the film of the Georgia game where C.J. Stroud is a wizard breaking out of the pocket and just escaping, not just talking about running in a straight line or with bursts of speed, but escaping the pocket while keeping your eyes downfield. He made some absolute Houdini type of plays. You didn't have that from Kyle McCord. You couldn't sell that to the fan base, to your collectives, just walk in to 2024 and say, yep, Excited to have him back. Kyle's our guy. You had to at least push him, and and I think you got a, an early look at what Devin Brown and Lincoln Keen holds. He's a long way away, but Devin Brown was the other guy that was supposed to challenge him for the job, and it just – we don't have a sample size on him. I get that, but you just don't feel it in your gut. You don't feel that Devin Brown could be the guy – with the you know the little cups of coffee that you saw with him throughout the season, so it's it's really weird. It's weird, Heath, what's going on in Columbus right now, and we're all hoping, really hoping that Will Howard is outstanding and can connect the dots next year. Yeah, you mentioned a guy like Keenholz. Obviously, they didn't plan for him to play this year, so it's not fair to judge him on the performance in the Cotton Bowl. But having said that. You're talking about a guy that they brought in from South Dakota. That's why I, I remember when he was recruited, it was just kind of one of those, oh, wow, isn't this interesting? You know, this kid is a big deal prospect from a state that don't, normally doesn't produce big deal prospects. So you bring him in, and clearly that's a two-, three-year developmental guy, I would think, from the very beginning. And I guess yeah. my question is, if you're Ohio State, why do you need to do that? Why, why do you need to spend two or three years developing somebody when you can go get elite talent and you've proved it for years at the position? What is the point of that? I, th- I think, Heath, the point is college football is absolutely nuts right now. And I think everybody, to an extent— is going to feel this as my dog is demanding that she goes outside. Go ahead, pup. That's how, that's how it goes, right? Doing live radio from the house. But back to what I was saying, when you take a look around and how these roadmaps are supposed to go, I, 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 I think that's a good term to use. Everybody, every fan base, and I'm sure every coaching staff too, likes to picture a quarterback roadmap, right? With how they recruit. You might, you know, you might plan on a guy being to a certain talent level, and you might plan on losing him early. I think that's reasonable for Ohio State to expect, right? That a quarterback comes in, plays a year or two, and is so good, you're not going to exhaust his eligibility because he's moving on. I think with what you're seeing right now is if you if you have one little break, one little ripple in that, which what Ohio State is experiencing right now, it just throws it off. So I don't know if you make too much out about Lincoln Keenholz being some future plan, I think more or less he was just a guy that they could recruit. And I'm sure they saw something in him, but you have to recruit multiple guys, right? It's like they go out and get Kyle McCord, Devin Brown. There's been guys in the past like Tate Martell and Jack Miller that were four-star guys, five-star guys. We thought Urban Meyer was going to love Tate Martell with the way that he could move, and he never made it anywhere in college football. So I just think it's very strange what's going on right now. I mean, how Dylan Rayola. I mean, he he's a Buckeye, then he's a Georgia Bulldog, and then he's a Nebraska 
what, what do you call in Nebraska? You actually call him a Cornhusker? Yeah, that's it's it's crazy what's going on right now. And he now. might be a Buckeye in twenty five. I mean, you can't rule it out. Oh God, <laughs> you cannot rule it <laughs> can, out. Can Quinn Ewers come back? Can Arch take over? I mean, boy, Quinn didn't throw that touchdown pass at the end of the game. I'm sure it's time to move on from him, right? Yeah, it, it's it's kind of bananas. I just the Keenholes thing. I just was puzzled because I'm watching him and I'm saying. Okay, this was this was clearly a guy who was going to need some time, and I, I get the idea you still would like to grow your own, but if you're a place like that with the standards that they have, it just it's hard to see how they wound up with this many guys that they're to grow their own, I guess, all at the same time. So Howard's the guy before yeah. well, the well, Cotton let me, Bowl. Let me tell you too. Just remember, Heath, Kyle was supposed to, in their minds, Kyle should have been a two year guy. That I think, that I think is is what's going on here, and then. You know, they get a four or five star recruit in Aaron Noland, who I'm sure you guys have, you know, studied a little bit and seen him, you know, at some of the camps with how he performed up against Dylan Rayola. He should have been the guy next year. So when he had to walk and you know, that was mutual. I mean, I'm I'm sure it went down a little bit like Ohio State, Ryan Day, whoever got in a room with him and said, Hey man, like that's just telling you what's gonna happen next year. There's no way we're guaranteeing that you're gonna be the starting quarterback. Just just no way. So he didn't play poorly, but it's just a certain standard. So I think that's what happened. Yeah, there was the report, obviously, from the dispatch claiming that McCord had expressed some frustration with not getting more NIL. McCord has pushed back <laughs> on that. So I have no idea who's telling the yeah. truth on that. But I do yeah. know if in any way NIL came up after the Michigan game, that would be an all-time read-the-room buddy moment uh, for, for what yeah. you're saying. Uh, with regards to Howard, what makes him the guy out of all available prospects out there in the portal? What made them feel like he's the right guy? Best, you said it, best available, best guy you could get. A lot of people are kind of joking right now that you just went out and got a bigger Devin Brown. That's kind of doing him a little dirty, I think, because the man's been a starting quarterback. He's had an interesting run, right? Like he, he got thrust in there, had to play as a true freshman. It was not good. He sticks around Kansas State. He winds up being there four years. He wasn't even the guy at the beginning of 2022 when Adrian Martinez is there, and then he picks up the pieces about halfway through in October and has 15 touchdown passes and two picks and provides an element of the run. Looks really good. Has the big game against TCU, against Max Duggan, and that was a great, fun football game that we all watched. So he's. I think whatever your opinion is of Will Howard coming in, you'll be able to find really good film, and then you'll be able to find not-so-good film. I uh, Like I said, after – after being a little bit negative here on, on this situation with Ohio State for the last week or two, I'm ready to maybe shift it around to go glass half full guy and be positive. I know how this works. I know Ohio State has always set the deck pretty good to where they're going to be in the position to be a top four team in the preseason. I don't know if it's going to be exactly that next year before we see what what players that they are still – we're still waiting for decisions on staying or leaving. But, leaving. but 14 guys have gone in the transfer portal, so they've lost that already. And you don't entirely know how it's going to work for Will if you don't know about the rest of the football team. But I will give him his shot. It's just a weird place that you're in the business now of getting a one-year rental quarterback. It's not like Justin Fields where he didn't really start wowing the college football universe. You were still kind of recruiting Justin Fields based on who he was as a high school recruit. He hadn't played a lot yet at Georgia. This man's played four years of college football. You know for a fact you're bringing him in to get one year. 
it's just crazy that you need a, a holdover quarterback at Ohio State. I hope he's the right guy for him. Again, he's got some – he's a big boy, isn't he? 6'5", 242. If he starts running, he'll, he'll get you that first down if he gets a full head of steam. Just uh, will he be accurate? Will he deliver the football on time? Can he handle himself under duress? Can he, can he handle the pressure of just being – Ohio State's quarterback. Big difference from being in Manhattan, Kansas. Tim Hall was for a couple more minutes here from 97.1, the fan in Columbus. Tim, just given the schedule that they played, it's not their fault, obviously, for example, that Mel Tucker couldn't uh, know not to do certain things when dealing with someone who's a sexual uh, harassment awareness speaker, for example. And so a game like that that maybe some years is pretty good on the schedule didn't have much value this year. Wisconsin's in a coaching transition. Not a great year for them. So if you look mm-hmm. at the Buckeye schedule, there really were only three games that I think fans were probably really fired up for specifically because of the matchup. They won right. against Penn State. We're very fortunate Notre Dame doesn't know how to count to 11 on defense for multiple plays. <laughs> and, and then obviously you lose the bowl game, you lose Michigan. So where is the fan mood? I mean, the record for Ryan Day is what it is. Obviously, he's been terrific if you just look at the record. But in the games they care about this year, he was at best 2-2. Two and two. So... Where are the fans with this coaching staff and this coach right now? It's it's hard it's hard to tell. I you know it's really hard to gauge. It's it depends on who your circle of friends are. That's really the best way I can describe it because I I really try to go out there and and do a show that you know where I where I give my honest feelings. And if I don't like something, I will I will really dig into that and and tell you why I don't like it or what. And I've been. I've been a guy that's been wondering what, what's it going to take? Why, why has Alabama been able to be this unbelievable machine in the college football world? And why has Ohio state not been able to figure that out? They're always right there. They're one of the, they're one of the last guys at the party, right? They're always one of the last guys at the party, but I guess they just get too blackout drunk a little bit too fast. <laughs> Somebody else who's bigger and heftier is left standing at the end. So the fan base, I was on a podcast yesterday with one of my buddies, and everybody that seemed that was chatting thought that I was doom and gloom and talking about the program was ending, and it, it's not that. It's just I, I honestly do feel it's a strange time for Ohio State football, being 11-2, and two, but knowing that that 11-2 is not everyone else's 11-2. and two. It was a miserable effort in that bowl game. I think they knew it walking in, too. I think they knew what they were walking into, a really lousy effort and game. And they did it. <laughs> they, they accomplished it. And the way you, you lose to Michigan, even though you didn't lose to them as poorly as you did two years ago, it's, it's just a different time. So I think it is still split down the middle because there's some Buckeye fans that just want to think that they're going to win the national championship every year. And then there's a half and a faction of the fan base that's realistic and knows that they've been missing out on these opportunities each as the years have ticked by. It's always something that I think a 2019 team, if you remember when Ryan Day first took over, they, they finally beat Clemson, which was something the program needed to do. It was a hurdle for them. They did it. And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They lost to Clemson. That's what it was. They, they lost that one to Clemson. They didn't beat Clemson until the next year, and then they got smashed by Alabama in the pandemic season. But that team that he had in 2019 with Fields in his first year was just the most balanced slash electrifying team that they had in that Clemson game. I do think Ohio State was better than them that year. It's not how sports goes. There were calls. There were plays. There was a ejection for Sean Wade on a high hit to Trevor Lawrence. It just didn't happen. And 
they've been trying to you know find that spot, get back to that spot again where they can actually get to that national championship game and know that they're the best team. Maybe uh, the, you know the C.J. Stroud game against Georgia was it, it, but it just it just wasn't enough. They couldn't stop Stetson Bennett on defense, and that matters too. Last thing, only got like sixty seconds. If you're Ryan Day in your heart of hearts, it, deep down inside, no one knows but you what you want. What is better for Ryan Day? Is it Jim Harbaugh wins a national championship, says ha ha ha, so long suckers, and goes to the NFL, or Jim Harbaugh doesn't win a national championship? So you don't have to deal with that burr under Ohio State fan saddle, but Jim Harbaugh also sticks around to try and win one. I, I think, I think you need if you're Ryan Day, you really whatever, however it happens, whether it's the win or the loss for Michigan, you kind of want you kind of want Harbaugh to stay. Don't you agree? There's a, it's not about money for these guys anymore. These guys have all the money in the world. Every coach out there, they've all benefited from it. So it has to be something different, right? It has to be about pride and how you do your job. It has to be perspective and how people perceive you so i would think that ryan day needs to start beating jim harbaugh on the field yeah i would think you'd want another crack at that guy even if it might make your life easier short term because even then the people who look to poke holes in anything someone does will be like, yeah but you didn't get harbaugh didn't get harbaugh those last three years you know that would be coming up so i actually think they're better off if he stays now who knows he might lose and go that's also an option too we shall see tim appreciate your time man thanks for being with us here on the chuck oliver show Absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. They go Tim Hall from 971 The Fan, one of the great stations covering college sports in this country up in Columbus. We'll be right back here on the Chuck Oliver Show. The Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. A good number, 80% of the teams in college football steal signs. And, you know, it's just a thing about football. You know, it's been around for years. We actually had to adapt because in uh, 2020 or 2019, like when Ohio State was stealing our signs, which is legal, and they were doing it the legal way, we had to get up to the level that they were at. And we had to, you know, make it an even playing field. Well, that is the voice of J.J. McCarthy, of course, the quarterback of the Michigan Wolverines, talking about the ongoing saga of the sign stealing and Connor Stallions and everything that came with that and basically making the case, hey, you know, all these other people in college football were stealing signs too and uh, they had our signs and we had to catch up. Uh, I, I don't know how it's possible that we're still having to have this conversation in 2024. It's just like people who say, when something comes up and somebody says something and they get fired, say, from their job for saying so much for free speech. And you're like, really? Do we have to do this again? Yes, the First Amendment means that you cannot be prosecuted by the government for saying something against the government. It does not mean that if you call your boss's wife fat, he can't fire you because free speech. It doesn't mean that. You still can have meaningful consequences in your life from the things you say just not the government. And it, it shouldn't be that hard to understand. And yet somehow, anytime some controversy comes up, there's some genius who's still on like second grade level civics. What about free speech? So again, you can steal signs. It's perfectly legal to steal signs if you're doing it in an acceptable way. It was always acceptable for someone to try and figure out pitching signs and relay them to their hitters. 
It's just you couldn't do it the way the Astros were doing it. You couldn't be using the thumping trash can and using video monitors. And if you're the Yankees or the Red Sox, you're getting caught with things like Apple Watches. There's ways you can do things. There's ways you can't. The issue has never been whether somebody was stealing your signs. It's whether or not you're doing it in a way that's not allowed. And so uh, the fact that it sounds like basically... Whether he intended to or not, that McCarthy is kind of publicly endorsing the idea that, well, you know, if you're behind in the race, then you got a speed to catch up. Eh, that's not that's not actually not actually formal policy. Not sure you should put that out there. I mentioned at the start of the program that you've got a situation where Alan Bowman is going to be back for Oklahoma State and he's going to play his seventh year of college football. I'm going to ask you a question. What do these quarterbacks have in common? Trevor Lawrence, Michael Penix, Brock Purdy, Zach Wilson, Alan Bowman. Any idea what those guys have in common? They all started playing college football the same year. Trevor Lawrence, who's been in the NFL for years, Brock Purdy, in his second season in the NFL, started his career at the same time as Alan Bowman, and as Michael Penix. I mean, it's, it's just wild, this time that we're living in. Eventually, as long as there's not some sort of legal challenge that allows guys to play college football forever, and that could very well happen, and there are attorneys. I am not an attorney. Make no pretense to being an attorney. But there are attorneys who do believe that if you can show that you are, in fact, active as a student, that there would not be a restriction. Obviously, schools are not required to provide semi-pro football opportunities for people, but there's no particular clear-cut reason they could point to legally other than tradition why they should be able to exclude a graduate student who has football ability and wants to play at 28 from playing football. So unless that happens, 2026 appears to be finally the year where at least the era of the seventh-year guys is going to go away. The guys who have a medical year, then they also have a regular redshirt year, then they have the COVID year. So we are eventually going to get out of the business, it looks like, of 2026 is the time we get out of the business of seven-year quarterbacks. But right now, yikes. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 